Welcome to the Topeka First Assembly podcast. We hope this message serves as an encouragement to you. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so online at www.topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. All right. Well, we're going to open the Word of God together this morning, and uh, we're going to jump back into our uh, series that we've been working on out of First Thessalonians. And you can join with me as we get into this. We're going to look at uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And uh, so we're continuing on this series. Have, have, you ever had, uh, have you ever had some serious ambitions? Maybe you have. Maybe you've had serious ambitions or you know others that have had some great big ambitions. And really, most of us have in one way or the other. Uh, I've uh, met some people who wanted to make a great impact on their world. I've met many of those, and uh, they have traveled through some serious setbacks in their lives to be able to do some great things. Uh, But today, we're going to look here in this series, and I'm going to call this portion of it uh, the ambitious life. The ambitious life. So, uh, and uh, as we're still under the series, you're a model, Uh, we're an example. Uh, uh, to the world, and I, I was listening to a story here uh, this last week, and uh, and it was uh, about this man who had worked hard in the industry of building cars. You, you guys know I like that stuff. And so he was he was uh, building cars for a living, custom cars, and and he went to school. He landed a job at a a good uh, company that did this kind of thing in the industry, and. And so then he worked there for a while. He, uh, he was really an intern there. And then he was able to move to another organization, another company who was a leader in the industry. And so he worked there for several, quite a few years. And finally, he felt it was time for him to go and to do start on his own and have a go for it himself. And so with a brand new baby at home, his wife had just had a baby, uh, and uh, starting out a brand new business, he fired that new business up this year. And so here in the middle of all this, now he, he's been wise about how he handled things, and he's been financially conservative, and, uh, but uh, he has put it all on the line to be able to uh, make a go at this business. And I would call that ambitious uh, especially in the time he didn't know this was going to happen, but he but he is moving forward. He's risking really his livelihood uh, to make a go for it. So we know a lot of people. We all know a lot of people who've left the security of their jobs to give themselves over to the service of the Lord. Uh, but for most people, it doesn't it doesn't require that we actually change our vocation. We may be uh, serving in one business or another, and we we still get to do that and still serve the Lord, but. It just means that we have to apply the truth of God's word to our lives where we are at, where we're living. And we shouldn't have to be a preacher or a pastor or a minister of some sort to be able to apply God's word to our lives. And you know, it may sound a little backwards to you, but we can live an ambitious life for God. We can. I, I really thoroughly, I thoroughly believe that. I hope you catch on to what I'm saying here uh, as we walk through 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. So uh, we're going to look at this and we're going to see what uh, Paul said here in the first couple verses uh, of 1 Thessalonians 4. He says, as for other matters, brothers and sisters. Now when he says brothers and sisters, he's talking to fellow believers, right? He's talking to other uh, Christians, those who are following Christ. 
And he says, we instructed you uh, how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. So he's saying, hey, let's move beyond this. And then he says in verse 2, he says, For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. So, uh, really, these couple verses here are, really make a strong statement. Uh, Paul seems to have some excitement here because he knows these, these new believers are living out their faith. They're actually walking it out. It's not just uh, something they know about. It's something they're living out. And they're an ambitious group of followers of Jesus. And really, there are several things uh, that an ambitious believer uh, can uh, th th set apart uh, from others. So there's a few things we're going to look at here about how ambitious believers can set themselves apart. And the first thing is this. The ambitious believer is willing to live better. The ambitious believer is willing to live better. Uh, and uh, you, you can see what he says here. He basically says to them, you are living a ri uh, the right way. He basically says it. You're, you're living the right way here. Uh, verse 1 is, is kind of plain. He says, we instructed you how to live in order to please God as, in fact, you are living. So, hey, that's what they were doing. That, they were living for the Lord. Now, we know from some of the other things he says there, they had a couple issues and just because they're humans. And they're walking through this stuff. So they're new to faith, and when they heard the message of Jesus, they actually ran with it. And that's what we need to do. And what seemed so great to Paul and his team was that these guys took what they had heard uh, uh, about the gospel, and they took it to heart, and they let the Lord start changing their lives from the inside out. That's what we must allow God to do in our lives. And, you know, it's so easy for us uh, to be able to hear the good news of Jesus and then simply accept what we want and to throw the rest to the side and say, you know what, this word is for me, but that over there, I don't know about that. I don't know if I want to follow that. And, uh, but these guys and gals, they were ambitious. They, they, weren't work they didn't seem to be working that way. Uh, they were willing to live better than what they had been living, what they were used to before they came to faith. But Paul saw them as people who didn't have to simply be average. Now, average is not bad. I don't think any of us should worry about being average in some sense. It's okay to be average, but they were already living the right way. But then we, we want to move past that. It's like he was saying to them these words. Since you know how to live, build momentum and go over the top with your faith and your trust in Christ. Keep moving forward. Just uh, move, oh, go over the top. So there in the last uh, uh, part of this verse 1, he says this. He says, now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. So he's saying move beyond where you're at. He said, you're doing great. But keep moving, keep, keep it going, keep rolling. And they were living well so they could just get by, but that was not God's intention for them. And it's not God's intention for any of us either. It just isn't. He wants us to keep moving in our faith. And really, he has some good intentions for us. Uh, uh, 
Paul is really pressing them a little bit to keep pushing forward to go beyond where they've been in their living trust in Christ. Uh, it's evident. I don't, I don't know really where they were. Maybe they were putting 75% down. Maybe they were saying, hey, we're going to serve the Lord, and 75% we're going to push towards the Lord. Uh, the other 25% we're going to hold back. I don't know. Uh, but, and, but he's challenged them to take it up to 100% and say, let's lay it all on the line for the Lord, or just drop the gauntlet and say, we're going to give everything that we have for him. And so he's challenging them, and he was persuading them to build momentum going over the top. I don't know if, uh, you may not be into these kind of things, but I don't know if you like rockets or have you ever watched like uh, some of the rockets that have, you know, SpaceX is out now, or maybe you've watched some of the, uh, the old, uh, the old um, space shuttles that we used to send off. I used to watch those. It was always fun to watch them. It's so interesting how those, uh, those things are sitting there on their launch pad. And as they sit there on the launch pad, they, they do the countdown. They get the countdown going, and then finally they ignite those big old engines off. And when they ignite those engines, the, the, the thrust starts building up. Could you imagine what it's like for the vibration? I couldn't imagine for those guys sitting on a bomb is kind of what they're doing. And, and they're sitting there, and that thing is starting to build up thrust. And even some of them, some of those uh, actually like the, like the Challenger and Discovery and some of those, they actually had booster rockets on top of the regular rocket engines in the middle. And they would light those off too. The power that comes off of them. They're waiting, and the thrust is building and building and building, and finally it takes that huge hunk of metal and ceramic and all the stuff that that is and shoots it off in the air, and before they know it, it's in orbit. And I, I, I see that kind of as a picture for us. That kind of thing is really amazing to watch, but it's really similar to what Paul was persuading these believers to do, to, uh, to allow their living that way. They've, the engines have been lit. Light those booster rockets and let that thrust, let that power and that pressure build in their lives, not so they explode, but so that they can push forward and grow in their faith and see other people's lives uh, served and ministered to and cared for, that they move forward in their faith, that they don't stay back and just be the, the, the same old way that they were in the past. And so it's like he's really saying, build up how you live and ignite those rockets in your lives. How is it that you're living your faith? We have to ask ourselves, I think it's important for all of us as followers of Jesus to be able to ask ourselves, how are, how are we living? Ask ourselves the questions, are you living strong? And uh, there, there's some, something else that Paul brings out that we, ha we must notice. It's something like this. And our instruction on how to live came from the authority of Jesus. That's pretty important. It, uh, it, it was not just something random. This is where verse 2 comes in, because uh, he says there in verse 2, he says, For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. So Paul here, he, he's making sure that they understand that their instructions weren't just something that they simply came up on, with on their own. It was, this is actually the Lord's direction. The Lord is speaking into their lives, and, and uh, Paul is trying to help them understand that. They were, God, they were God's direction for them, and really, it's God's direction for us today. It really hasn't changed. 
And so those words of Scripture can still speak to us in our lives. And so the second thing that we need to consider is uh, we're going to discover is we find over here in verses 3 to 8. And it seems like he's dealing with different subjects, but in some way he is not. This, in this passage that we're dealing with here, he deals with a few things, but the, it comes right together. Look with me to verse 3 to 8 together. Let's read it. It says, uh, it is God's will that you should be sanctified. Now, that's a big word. We'll talk about it. Uh, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. So he's making some strong statements here. He's trying to say, hey, let's live a certain way. We don't want to live like everybody else that doesn't know God. And then he says in verse 6, and that in this manner no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. And he's, when he's saying brother and sister there, it's Adelphi, uh, or I may say it wrong, but it's, it's brothers or sisters in the Lord. That's what he's talking about. And not that she, you shouldn't te- treat your brother or sister, right? right? Uh, then he goes on and says, The Lord will punish those who, who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. Uh, for God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. So really, the second one comes down to this, and it's important for us as we open our hearts to what God is speaking. The ambitious believer is determined to live pure, is determined to live pure. We as followers of Jesus should be ambitious to follow him, and we should be determined to live pure. They're saying, I'm going to do my best with the Lord's help to live a life that is purely set apart for God. God's will for you is to be sanctified. Now, I know that's a big word, and it's not the kind of word that we typically use when you go to Dylan's to buy cheese. Uh, it's just, it's just a, it's a strong word, and uh, what is this word? Well, sancti- sanctified really means to be set apart for God, and that actually is for every believer, every follower of Christ. It's not for a certain group of them. It's for all and uh, it really speaks to us, and, and that's one way to explain it, to be set apart from, for Christ. And from the moment anyone becomes a follower of Jesus, the, more, the moment they believe, he, he is that person, he or she is set apart for God, set apart to be holy. But in the New Testament, that person is called a saint. Now, I know different faith traditions say different things about that, but the Bible teaches us that a saint is a person who is a follower of Jesus. And so technically what we understand as being a saint is somebody who has put their faith in Christ. So we've been saints, we've been set apart unto him. And that does not mean that this person is morally perfect yet, but that they are, or, but that they are given over to God to do God's will. So we're in that process. They call that sanctification. We'll leave those big words to the side. But, but we understand that, that God, it's something that God is doing in our lives as we set ourselves apart to serve Him. 
So, uh, so a process has become uh, begun in which their old ways and the old habits are increasingly done away with and replaced with a new lifestyle that fits the service of God. He's talking to these Thessalonians and say, hey, you've made some adjustments. Uh, and he's even mentioned some other things that, hey, you still need to make some adjustments here. And you need to be able to walk with the Lord. And he's saying that uh, Christian holiness requires total abstinence from what the Greek would call pornonias, and you can get what that word refers to in, in the English side, but we also understand what it means it would be sexual immorality fornic and fornication of every kind. And so he's saying, hey, stay away from that stuff, live your life. So really, as we, we roll on here, the ambitious believer is determined to set their lifestyle aside for God. Say, God, here I am. And, and said, I want to uh, focus on you. So, for they're willing to set things aside to be able to live pure. So some people enjoy the truth that God loves, but they ignore the fact that he corrects. You know, like I said earlier, sometimes we, we hear the gospel, we, we've received the gospel, and then we like to accept the things that we like, but we don't always like to accept the things we don't. But but here we understand that correction comes as well. People don't mind if others get what's coming to them because they want justice, right? And justice is important, and Scripture does talk about it. Uh, it has a lot to say about it. Uh, but the problem is, is that when they are in the hot seat because of their own actions, they don't want justice anymore. They want mercy. And that's a reality that we face in our world today. So a process we know has begun, but uh, we understand that we, we don't always want to have the correction in our lives. And that's part of human nature. We do need both of those. We do need justice. We do need mercy. Uh, but here in the New Testament, Paul is playing that for the believer who is promiscuous, God will correct them. He's playing about it. And that wasn't simply Old Testament, that's New Testament, which comes down to us uh, in, in our life today. And we must, we must be careful to leave correction in God's hand, but it should cause us to recognize and to understand that we are responsible for how we live in the communities that we live in. And when we find, then we find this over in uh, uh, these few verses too. Uh, anyone who rejects his instruction simply rejects God. Uh, if we reject the instruction of the scripture, we're rejecting God. Verse 80 says, therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being. Uh, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. And I think this is why sometimes people, some people will try to do different things with theology to say this or that about the Bible because it helps them to get out of responsibility. But ultimately, uh, we are all responsible to God no matter who we are. And, and honest, honestly, this is a sobering statement from the Apostle Paul. So, so many people in our day reject what God said, and we, we know that. Uh, but, but we can change how we respond to God. And that's the great thing. Uh, we can change how we respond to Him. And, and we realize that God has called us to live a pure life. So look at what He says there in verse 7. It says, For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. He's called us to set our lives apart for Him. So 
what is it like to set our lives apart? What is it to be holy? Well, let's use something very simple, okay? Let's use something basic. When you were young, I don't know about you, but when you were young, uh, uh, do you ever remember people in your family or among your friends who used to make different foods for special occasions? You know, like we got Thanksgiving coming up, you got Christmas coming up after that, and uh, make those special foods. And uh, usually, uh, maybe maybe they made uh, peanut brittle or Mississippi mud or or uh, some other kind of candy or something special like that. And, and uh, you didn't want those uh, uh, the the person that made them didn't want them to get eaten too soon. I know my mom, when I, when I was growing up, she would uh, make all kinds of things, and then she would put it in cool places in the house. I'm not so much sure if it was because she was trying to keep those goodies cool or if she was just trying to keep it away from us kids and my dad. I'm not, I'm not sure about that. Uh, and so it, maybe it's a little bit of both, uh, but maybe, she, maybe she'll comment on Facebook. I don't know. <laughs> but, but anyhow, we understand that we, sometimes we, we do that. We separate those things out to be able to separate them for the special occasion. Special occasions are important. We've all been set apart for God, not simply for a special occasion alone, but we need to be set apart every day. So when you, when you uh, work for your job, you're set apart to God. When you go to school, you're set apart to God. When you're God in the market, when you, when you go to buy something at the store, you're set apart to God. When you're driving on the road, oh, I got some of you. When you're driving on the road and that other person wants to pass you and you want to stop, yeah, yeah, you're set apart to God, right? All those things are important, and how we live in our community really does matter. Uh, when you're alone and you're bored, you can choose to set yourself apart to God. Uh, become an ambitious believer who is determined to live pure in each fashion of your life. Let's look here at what he says in verses 9 and 10. And, and he says this, Paul, he says, now, about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. He's put that in you. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. The, 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 evidently, the Thessalonians were good at showing love and care for others. And then he says, yet we encourage you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. Here again, he's, he's, he's ramping that up again and says, let's go even beyond where we are at at this time. And so the ambitious believer will love and then win others' respect. So as we love others, those around us, we can win others' respect. So you, uh, you've learned to love each other, he basically says. It's evident that Paul knew that knew the struggles of these new believers and what they had faced, uh, but also he knew some of their strength, uh, strength as, as well, and it was apparent from how Paul's team writes to them that love was a significant quality for them. It wasn't simply a value that they posted up on the church building's wall and said, love. <laughs> no, it's because they actually lived that out. And uh, they, they lived it. it. It was something that they did. And he said it was, it was like God had instilled that love in them for each other. And hopefully we're allowing God to instill that in each and every one of us as we follow him and, and as we serve together. 
Well, uh, and we have to ask ourselves some questions here. Do you have that kind of love for others? We have to ask that. Uh, what about your fellow, uh, fellow followers of Jesus? Uh, we need to be the kind of people who love, and remember that love is not only a feeling. Oh, sure, there may be feelings that come along with that at times, but love is not simply a feeling if we understand the biblical teaching of what love is about. It, it can include the, the God kind of love. It's the God kind of love. It, it's the choice that we make to love other people, even when they are less than perfect. You know, uh, I think once in a while we have to look in the mirror, don't we? I don't know about you, but I have to look in the mirror and I have to see who I really am too, because we're not perfect either. So when we look at that other individual and say, oh, I don't know about them, then we have to step back and look at ourselves and say, okay, God, I realize I'm not perfect either. So I think I'd be remiss if I didn't pull out this powerful scripture over in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, in this scripture, we find something special because we know the Apostle Paul is writing this to the Corinthian church. And what he is doing is he's talking about how they need to relate to one another and the usage of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, those gifts that God provides and um, then, and, and he says this in verses 4 to 7. I have it here for you. It says this, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Wow. You know, every time I read that, it challenges me. And I think it should challenge each and every one of us in how we're living. And so that we can become the type of people that God wants us to be. We need, to be, we need a good dose of this love in the days that we are living. And really, love is not only about the quality that is in it. It's also, if you read what he says there, it's also about the qualities that are not in love. He's saying, hey, these things are love. But he's also saying these other qualities aren't a part of love. And not only is love patient and kind, but it works at keeping away from being envious uh, of others. It's not, uh, it's not into boasting about oneself. And love tends to turn away from being a proud person. The ambitious believer who loves will strive not only to dishonor, to strive to not dishonor other people so that they can push themselves forward for, for all to see. What? It's about trying to love others and respect others and put others over above ourselves. But So what is love about? It's about trying not to keep a record of wrongs and how somebody has treated you. As, as I said about justice earlier, uh, so at times we want other people to pay for their injustice, but we want mercy for our own injustice. The fact is, is we have to work that out. That's not always easy to do because that human nature that we have, and we have to allow the Spirit of God to help us to overcome that so that we can follow Him and follow through with His plan. You know, really, we could spend a day there, but we're not going to. Don't worry about it. But 
uh, we're, we're going to continue moving on. But then he says this um, in this way, love always protects. It always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So we can all grow in this passage. It's telling me as I read that, I know I have some growing to do when it comes to this passage. And I think we all, if we're honest with ourselves, could say that same thing. So back here to the Thessalonians, we see that, uh, uh, that Paul is, is saying some things there to them. He says, in my words, since you know how to love others, go over the top. It's kind of like verse 1 there. Here in this verse, it's, it's uh, very similar. He's saying, know how to live. But he, now, he's, now he's saying, hey, uh, how to love. Verse 11, look at it with me. He says, make it your ambition to leave a quiet li- or lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands just as we told you so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so you will not be dependent on anybody. And you kind of find this maybe interesting to see how he writes this out. And, uh, uh, but really, he's, uh, he's doing this to give them a way to apply love in their situation. And honestly, it can apply into our situations in life as well. So it comes down to this. We all need to be able to apply it with these kind of things. Love others. Don't simply be engaging uh, others so you have something to chatter about. That's not why we engage others. That's really not true caring. True caring is engaging them, not just so we have something to talk about or chatter about, but so that we can genuinely care for one another. Ambition and a quiet life really go together. They really go together and it seems like an oxymoron, you know, where ambition and a quiet life, they, they don't seem to fit, but they really do. And does, it, this doesn't mean that we shouldn't engage people in our community at all. Because I could tell you right now that as you see and have read the scripture, you realize that the Apostle Paul would say, no, that's not right. You should be able to engage people no matter what. Because if you looked at his team, Time and time again, they went into some situations and they engaged the community sharing the gospel of hope. They did it. They went into some tough places, some places that weren't difficult, and they did that and they shared the hope in those public places, engaging them. And from this ambition to live pure and well, you will earn people's respect and you are also a witness to them. Build that respect and then maintain it. This morning, we're going to close here in just a moment. And then we're going to have uh, our worship team is going to come and we're going to lead us in a final song and then I'll pray. And, uh, but I have to ask this question, where does it leave us? Where does this leave us today? Be an ambitious believer who is willing to live better for Christ. Move toward becoming an ambitious believer who is determined to live pure, to live a pure life, and strive to become an ambitious believer who will love others and because of that win other people's respect by how you live. How are you living? You have a choice to make. 
you can keep doing things how you used to, or uh, you can step up to the plate and hone in on the ball that's going to come across the plate as you're ready to hit it. Jesus is calling you closer. He's calling you in to be closer to him, to live for him, to live as an example, example for him, and to be a model in the world you're living in. Are you willing to become ambitious? Ambitious to serve the Lord, ambitious to serve others, and to love him. Let me pray with you this morning. Father, we thank you because you are so good to us. You have proven yourself faithful to us time and time again. And we are asking you this morning that you will help each and every one of us as we look to you to follow you in faith, to follow you and allow you and your strength to work through our lives. And that, Father God, that you would bring hope to others around us because we're living out that love that you have given us, that you are living out what you have called us to do through us. We bless you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.